Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. 1489 DR. For the greater part of a decade, the Forgotten Realms has plunged into turmoil and confusion. Numerous wars were fought in the east and the north, and thousands were killed. In the south, the seas receded while earthquakes and locusts plagued much of the land. Sailors from long-forgotten lands made port on the Sword Coast, and a great rain fell over the Sea of Fallen Stars. As the decade ends, the Frostmaiden Oral has plunged Icewind Dale into a perpetual winter. Violence once again finds itself on the streets of Waterdeep, and rumors of war leak out from the east. Cast into that world are three adventurers on the road for the first time. I'm Desdemona, and I play Ami. I'm Jen, and I will be playing Mirabella. Hi, my name is Chris Rusho, and I am playing Bocera Splitfish. And I'm Rob Christofferson, the Dungeon Master for Rolling Through the Realms, an actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app of choice. Hello, everyone. Can you believe it? We're back. We're actually recording an episode. It's perhaps it's you, your absolute favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast that's super unofficial. That's still putting out episodes, I swear. We we haven't stopped podcasting. I wonder if people were like, okay, that was the end. They're just just done. They've complained one too many times about wanting to just quit. They've finally done it. This podcast has been on for like three years now. It's never really made it. They finally threw in the towel. Because there's some statistic like most podcasts last like three episodes or something. And then they're like, this is too much work and absolutely no reward. Never mind. <laughs> Somehow we have not figured that out yet. Yeah, we never we got we never got our mattresses. No. It's- we got offered one set of earbuds. That was it. That's, That's it. it. We we seriously, I demanded mattresses before we even talked about Unsolved Mysteries. So I think it is impossible for this podcast to sell out. And yet, it hasn't happened. The offers are not rolling in. I don't know what to tell you. I don't get it. I don't get it. But we didn't actually quit. We, no. are, actu- we are actually back for some reason. Unspecified. We don't know why we came back. Yeah, here we are. It's because we miss you, dear listeners. That's a ringing endorsement of our own podcast. We don't really know why we're doing this, what we're here for, but we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. Here we are. Here we are you on Are you on board or not? Don't really care. Hi, I'm Liz. I'm Samantha. We didn't even introduce ourselves. We're no. a little rusty. I think it's fair. It's fair I, though. I it's think been it's been a while. I hope this is no one's first podcast that they listen to, but I say that basically every episode, so I'm not sure which one you're supposed to listen to first. Figure it out. Not my problem. Um, how are you, Samantha? How have you been on our unexpected hiatus? Yes, Samantha. Most like, of the hiatus, I was not good. <laughs> I have to I know. say, I know. I'm I sorry. mean, I came out of it fine. I'm, you know, doing better now, but. Thus, we should say that. So we're we're alive. We're both alive. We're both all right. Our our family members are, you know, they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> our, our pets are are fine. 
Yes. There was um, no deaths. You know, so no. all things considered, it's fine. And I appreciate everyone who said really kind things and, you know, were concerned. Um, just know that everything's okay. And we just needed a little bit of a... I needed a little bit of a break. It's completely my fault. Um, I didn't want to throw Samantha under the bus, but everybody, it's totally her fault. <laughs> so if you're mad, oh, that's you, where you... That's you can you, blame me. You I can mean, direct your ire, too. It's not my fault, but it is my fault. So. Yeah, it's actually not your fault. <laughs> also, <laughs> I was like... I could have chosen... I would have chosen or could control, but... Uh, also, we're just like kind of burning through Unsolved Mysteries too fast. We're already on season six, episode ten. That's really hard to believe. So I'm kind of I I feel like maybe it, it was the universe saying, "Whoa, slow down." There's only so many mysteries. <laughs> You're burning true. through them too fast. What are you gonna do? That's true. When you get to the end, well, we've yeah. we've talked about every mystery ever. So yeah, exactly. I do have a couple updates for people out there. One is I want to thank listener Megan in California who sent us a lovely care package. Uh, I sent a picture to Samantha. She hasn't been able to see it in person yet, but we got this amazing Mothman embroidery hoop. It's incredible. It's It's very cool. So good. We will absolutely be hanging that up here in the podcasting room, which a realtor would foolishly say the dining room. Uh, That will will preside. It will protect us. It will be a protector. And also, she used as the padding for the shipment uh, Japanese Kit Kats. Everyone, take a note. It's the perfect packing material, really. Those those little, those diet biodegradable peanut things; those are out. Packages of Japanese Kit Kats are in. That's what you use to to pack a package. Yes. Mwah, thank you so much. That is lovely. Another update involves the Purple Stuff podcast. I was very humbled and honored. Things that rarely happen on this this year pod <laughs> that we got a shout out on a sort of recent episode of the Purple Stuff, my favorite podcast. They did an episode of favorite segments of Unsolved Mysteries and then told everyone to listen to our show for some reason. What did you think of their their favorite segments? Actually, it's a it's really fun. I recommend people listen to that episode because it's only like fun mysteries. They didn't do any true crime stuff. So it's just like Ogopogo and hauntings and like it's like the 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 they didn't feel good. The orphan train. Yeah, no. There's no orphan. No one was like my favorite segment. I'm I'm Dinosaur Dracula and my favorite segment is the orphan train. That didn't happen. <laughs> So, um, so that was so lovely, and I really do appreciate it. And people should go listen to that segment out of run there. And their podcast is just great. It's a, like nostalgia podcast. I really, it's my favorite podcast. So the fact that we were, we were mentioned was such a high honor. If you listen to this podcast, you'll know I respect very few people's opinions. But then I was like, <laughs> oh, the purple stuff. Well, well, well. I think my last update is that Unsolved Mysteries itself now has a podcast. Now there is an official podcast. I, I feel a little territorial, not going to lie. I'm like, Unsolved Mysteries, we were here. Well, we weren't here first because we're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, we've been create keeping this interest up while they've been getting their podcast together. You know what yeah, I they're mean? They're just letting we- the royalties roll in. I yeah. Mean- We've been doing the hard labor this is of grassroots here, of of getting 
five listeners to know what the orphan train is you're welcome i haven't listened to the unsolved mysteries podcast i will say i have heard good things it is all new mysteries and okay, it's do... gonna be my question is it like going back or going no, forward? it's going forward and there are apparently paranormal segments which people are excited about I don't know that there's going to be like lost loves in this day and age, but it's wow. not just it's not just true, true crime stuff. I haven't listened. I am a little bit like you. You could thank us on Solved Mysteries. We could get a shout out at least. I mean, who's been talking about Robert Stack's yachts all this time? Us. <laughs> on second thought, they probably really don't want to be associated with us, but still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still welcome though. That we've been like, you know telling the younger generation perhaps that they should care who robert stack is yeah right yeah. we've been yes. keeping his memory absolutely. alive absolutely so no i haven't listened yet maybe i'm a tiny bit better but that does exist and you're probably interested because it has new mysteries and it seems like maybe the the netflix reboot is over i don't know if eventually we'll get more mysteries from that or not i mean has anyone said it's over no so I maybe just haven't... they're just kind of like feeling it out. I don't know. Maybe they're working on some more. I haven't heard a lot. I, I didn't hear a lot of good things about the second set. Yeah, there was really very little discussion Except about for it. The, the tsunami ghosts. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it was just really a bummer, mostly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that uh, did well. Who knows what Netflix is up to, honestly. Just finding mediocre movies every other studio passed on. They're very busy. Yeah. Yep. They're making drone shots of other things. <laughs> They've got documentaries to make and drone shots to record. Um, is there any other updates you wanted to include, my dear? No, I don't think so. Probably there probably should be after all this time, but I didn't even remember we were supposed to record today until you told me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where I'm at. It's not a day we usually record. It's just obviously I'm so enthusiastic to come back. I was like, let's just get it over with. <laughs> that was the conversation. Let's just do it. So our weekend will feel lighter. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. As I said, we are on season six, episode 10. I would recommend watching this on the old YouTubes. Yeah. Unless you love ads. Unless you you love ads so much then you could watch it on amazon prime but as we all know they're evil yeah i can't recommend yeah so samantha has the first mystery which is an unexplained death yes this is the death of j neil given and this takes place in east chicago indiana <laughs> not yeah. to be confused with the other chicago that liz is more familiar with yeah it's yeah you know it's in Indiana. Yeah. Not yeah. not Chicago proper. Yeah. Uh, Jay Given was a politically minded city attorney and master fundraiser who had helped elect Robert Patrick as mayor of East Chicago in 1970. Over time, however, they had a falling out. In 1981, Patrick was running for re-election. He was supported by Hispanic Americans and they were kind of like aligned against county this county commissioner and anderson span who was supported by the black and white community so there's this dynamic going on um and this guy is like it, it was kind of like whoever he supported 
like got elected is how unsolved mysteries made it seem and so it was a really big deal when he stopped supporting this other guy and then shifted his alliances elsewhere and honestly i don't even remember what their beef was or if they even said it in the mystery because i don't think they even said they just they were just rivals yeah for some reason they decided decided they didn't like each other anymore i'm not really sure why it doesn't seem important so on the night of May 15th, Jay attended Span's fund. So this is the new guy he's supporting. He attended his fundraiser at the East Chicago Elks Club. Um, I think this is also known as, known as the Elks Club murder. It sounds very, I don't know, hoity-toity. <laughs> um, but they, and it's set up as a casino for this fundraiser. It was like a casino night thing. And I was like, I want to go to this. Is that just because I've been inside for like a year? I, it just seemed fun, it honestly. Yeah, like for sure. Um, the Elks Club. Like everyone's smoking, obviously. Yeah, I think you, you get that. I'm way. not a gambler, but I do love a casino. You can just, like, no one cares what you're up to. I don't know. I suppose that's true. They're always open. They're always there for you. It's. <laughs> I think I feel the way about a casino or like a 24-hour pancake house. Sometimes I'm like, this must be how people feel about church. This is just, it's always there when you need it. <laughs> casinos 24-hour pancake houses church yeah same same deal yeah exactly (laughs) so as he was heading out the front door around 11 p.m he was suddenly shot once in the back of the head at point blank range he was pronounced dead at the scene the shooting occurred not far from over 400 witnesses but strangely not a single person saw it happen yeah that's not strange unsolved mysteries they don't want to talk (laughs) It's not that yeah. they didn't see anything if they went, I value my life and I am not getting involved in this. Yeah. And I think given who we find out did it. You it's know. smart. You know yeah. what? They're smart. So Maybe I, not a bad idea. I wish I wish our, our justice system wasn't so horribly corrupt, but one of these people stepping forward isn't going to change that. And, you know, them or their family uh, might be dead. Self-preservation. Yep. So detectives found a 45 caliber shell casing in the foyer of the club, as Robert Stagg describes it. Um, they also found the bullet, which of had... course, of course, he does. <laughs> He's so rich. He spent a lot of time in a foyer. I, how many foyers do you think he has in just like his main home? I don't know. Can you have more than one foyer, or is that just like the entrance? I mean, yeah, can I call point. the entrance of my house a foyer? You could. No one would know what you're talking about, but you could. You kind of have a foyer. I really don't. I just have a door that opens, and then you're in a room. Um, call that room your, the foyer, though. That's true. I usually call Our, it the front room. I don't know the proper term for <laughs> the foyer. I don't know. Maybe you can have like a if you have a side entrance, you could have a, a side foyer. A side foyer. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. It does sound weird. Let's and then there's just like. It's just like your an your entrance ent- hall or other open area in a building used by the public, especially a hotel or theater. Okay, so it has to be uh, open. Uh, to the so you you can't. I mean, I guess if your home is open to the public, you could have a foyer. Okay, I I feel like people do say that about their home though. If it has like a very grand entrance, like if there's oh, okay. a chandelier. In in North America, it's also known as an entrance. Uh, it can be a ho- entrance to the house or an apartment. Oh, see there you go. So it doesn't necessarily have to be open to the public but the pictures in wikipedia are quite grand i'm not sure i i'm not sure i have a foyer (laughs) anyway we've digressed 
Robert Stack spent his whole life in a foyer. <laughs> Just his, constantly. That's where he lived. Yeah. Well, there was a bar in there. Oh, well, why leave? <laughs> I'm just making shit up so people realize that I don't know what I'm talking about at all, as usual. I hope they don't hear that and be- truly believe that Robert Stagg... Like, someone's taking notes. Oh, that's odd. Robert Stagg spent his life in a foyer, huh? <laughs> he was born in one and died in one. <laughs> someone's, like, doing a report for school on Robert Stagg. Oh, my God, if that's you, please tell us. Okay. If I hear of a kid doing a report on Robert Stack for school, that is the <laughs> coolest kid I have ever, ever heard of. <laughs> he was born in a trench coat and he died in a trench coat. That's right, <laughs> class. It was Robert Stack. And everybody's like, who? Some old man? What? My sister is going to have a baby this year. And if I do my job right as an aunt, as a weird mystery aunt cool i'm sorry cool mystery aunt yeah yeah a little weird but in a good way then this kid will one day do a book report on robert <laughs> Stick. is there a children's book to introduce children to who robert Stick Could we is? write one or we, would, we would might either. come after would his estate Ooh, come after us? yeah i don't know we might have we to just change it. the name it could be like robbie, robbie Stack. <laughs> Robbie Stacky. Uh, we might oh, have to yeah. we might have to sell it under the table. Wink <laughs> wink. People have to come and like do the secret handshake and then we're like, oh, you're here for the book. Oh yeah. Gotcha. It's just a if it's an inflatable alien in a trench coat though, <laughs> can they come on try and sue us? I wanna be in court <laughs> presenting a picture book <laughs> of an inflatable alien in a trench coat. Samantha, no, do not say try and sue us. <laughs> We're right. way too poor for that. You're right. You're right. We don't have a legal team. It's just us. <laughs> you're right. It's probably not the best decision. Okay, I guess we won't write a children's book about an alien <laughs> Robert Stack. <laughs> well, All right. So <laughs> my dreams are dashed again. Well, what can you do? No. So detectives also found a bullet, which went through the front door, hit a building across the street, and landed in the road. Detective Paul Decharia, uh, wait, okay, so, oh, I got ahead of myself. The thing about this gun and this bullet is that it, it was from an extremely rare gun that you could, like, track down, like, only three of them or something in the whole country. If you're going to murder someone, yeah, um, don't. I mean, I don't want to give murderers advice on how to get away with murder. That's a whole different show. But um, killing people with extremely rare weapons that can be easily traced to you, not the smartest move I've heard. Can't say that it is. I mean, it shouldn't even be said. have to be said. Come on. No. this (laughs) This guy didn't know it. Or... Or did he not even care, which is well, my theory. That was what I, what crossed my mind as well, is that he just thought... Because Robert, the, the mystery kind of ends up being, well, did he do it? Because, spoiler alert, we find... We yes. Out. And it's kind of like, and Robert Stack is like, well, why would you do it in sight? Why would you kill someone in, in view of 400 people with a very rare weapon that could easily be traced to you? And it's like, well, if you think you can get away with it because yeah, this, of who you are, then... This is- Another example of, oh, so this is a solved mystery. This isn't an unsolved mystery at all. We know who did this. Yeah. They try and make it seem like, well, why would someone do that? And it's like, well, let's think about it. Come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> think about it. So yeah, so they they find this this bullet from this super rare gun. Detective Paul Decharia locked the evidence in his desk at the police station rather than putting it in the evidence vault. Which is this the guy with the eye patch? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Okay, it is. how could you not mention that he had an eye patch? So the thing that I remember about him is that he sounds like he has a broken nose. Well, that might also be true. I I don't know what happened to his eye, but it's pretty cool to see an inspector with an eye patch. I think I think it is true. Um, did he have a mustache? I don't or think were we so. too, dis- too distracted by the eye patch. Anyway, I didn't. I didn't draw one. So, so he hid this. This, this evidence in his desk in his desk drawer which Robert Stack tries to call the evidence drawer and that's like no 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 it's just a drawer don't, don't act like this is some sort of official thing it's literally his fucking desk it's not the evidence drawer that's not a thing <laughs> no because they had a vault that he neglected to put the evidence in a vault specifically for the evidence and instead he put this in his to his credit he locked it I guess but someone was Whatever. still able to get in there and take it <laughs> It clearly wasn't hard to get around that lock. I mean, the reason to put things in the evidence locker is that there's a record of what happens to them when they get signed in and signed out and who looks at them so that Mm -hmm. it's harder to tamper with evidence. If you're just keeping things in desk drawers, then there's no record of who looks at it or what happens to it. I'm not saying that Detective Paul, (sighs) maybe it it crossed his mind to just leave it out. He tells us that he did this because he wanted some other people to look at it, but he doesn't even notice it's missing for four days. Also, so, Pluto could check it out from the evidence locker. You can't just hand it to some. There's a chain of custody. Like, we've been over this when Robert Stack got sent those glasses. Like, you can't just pass evidence around. Oh, in that children's book, we would have to bring up those glasses and oh, how he sure. ruined that case. It's like Robert Stack had several notable achievements, including his threesome with JFK and Elizabeth Taylor. However, he did completely fucking a murder case. Is this, are, are you spitballing the text of this children's book? Yeah. That he had a threesome and then <laughs> fucked up a murder case? <laughs> yeah. What, is that not appropriate for children? I don't understand. I mean, I'm fine with it, but I, I'm not, other people might not be. Look, I don't have any kids. I don't know. <laughs> Mac? Okay, this is cruel. My husband Mac once said that if he was going to do an impression with me of me, he would go to a restaurant and swear around children. <laughs> 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 Which, I'll say that if I'm talking to children, I don't swear. But if they're just in or, or my environment, I don't know. Swearing is so such a part of your everyday vocabulary. I I don't hard to notice when maybe I don't always you know. Yeah, I'm not always processing that they might be in earshot. They're not my children. I don't know them. (laughs) I mean, you don't technically have any responsibility. You could talk about whatever you want. (laughs) Which is how this children's book would be. (laughs) You fucked up a murder case. (laughs) He fucked up a murder case and he had a threesome. The I'm story of Robert Stack. Timmy in front of the class giving his book report about about Robert Stack, and then he fucked up a murder case. I mean, it is interesting. I probably would have more to say about this if I did have children, but you know, in back in my day, we literally were sat down in front of unsolved mysteries, which was sometimes about brutal real murders. <laughs> And now I think the content that children at least watch is much more um, appropriate for them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be hard to justify now, 
yes, my child watches Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Though that was very, not. I'm not shaming my parents, extremely normal 80s, 90s behavior. You oh, had no. one TV, that was, that was network TV, it was on at dinner time, everyone watched it. Mm-hmm. That was not weird. Oh, no, it wasn't at all. When I was a kid, if I stayed home from school, I watched Maury marathons. Well, you had to know if those were those that was really that person's baby. Obviously. <laughs> of course. Um Yeah, but yeah, you know, whatever. I don't know what my point is. Things have changed. Yeah, yeah, they have. So anyway, four days later, uh so four days later, Detective Paul notices that the uh his drawer had been broken into and someone had curiously drilled a hole through the casing to keep it from being matched to a gun. I don't understand why this person in question didn't just take the bullet. Like, they go out of their way to tamper with the evidence. Like, smushing the bullet and scratching the inside of the barrel of the gun for ballistics testing. And I was kind of like, why not just take it? Yeah, I guess I don't really understand that. Like, it's clearly, it's not like it's clearly been tampered with. It's not something where they would not think it had been tampered with and then the results would vary. Like, he opens his desk drawer and is like, ah, fuck. Probably shouldn't have left this in a drawer. Now it's been tampered with. But I was like, why even leave the bullet at all? Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? I don't, I don't know, know why. They took the time to, like, smash it up. but I guess Yeah, and like you said, they used a sharp instrument to cut into the grooves in the bullet to prevent the bullet from being matched to a gun. I guess at this point they hadn't found the gun yet. I got my timeline a little mixed up. Oh, okay. But even so, just take it. I guess you wouldn't want it on you, but throw it in a dumpster or a river well anyway it's not tampered with enough apparently no it's not because it's again very rare (laughs) right it didn't actually matter so at this point we learned that the only people who had access to this area in the police station were other officers so robert said we get this ominous music where it's like the twist is that it's an inside job and you dear viewer living in 2021 go oh no shit (laughs) no and uh it appeared that the whoever had broken into the drawer and tampered with the evidence had worn gloves because there was no okay look the other police are looking into this so i'm just gonna take their word for it but they found no fingerprints (laughs) Uh uh-huh sure also even if they did find their own fingerprints they'd be like yeah i work here yeah. Like, I don't even know that that would be that incriminating unless it's literally on the bullet itself. I do think they looked at the bullet and they didn't. Unless they, they made sure their fingertips were super oily and then they pressed down their thumb on the <laughs> bullet to make sure it got a really good print. <clears throat> yeah, so despite the damage to the bullet and the casing, the FBI was able to identify the murder weapon as a rare Detonics 1911-style Combat Master handgun. Means nothing to me but it's like the super old whatever also it had a specially modified ejecting mechanism and we're told that there are only 58 weapons with this mechanism incredibly one of these guns belonged to deputy chief john cordona huh that's quite the coincidence right so and also a coincidence, he attended the fundraiser and was a <laughs> member of a Spanish-speaking political group political group that was at odds with Jay Gibbon. He also followed Jay Gibbon around the fundraiser. Yeah, it was notable because that group specifically was, like, not welcome at this event. Like, obviously they don't go into the details. Like, I don't know if they got, like, a don't show up note or whatever, but, like, it's clear <laughs> that, like, they weren't 
<laughs> they weren't welcome what the hell are you doing here yeah so when he showed up they everybody was really surprised and then he is acting sus as hell like yeah following jay He's around literally the following this guy around and like smirking according to the reenactment probably not for real but let's say he was he's following this guy around casino night hanging over his shoulder and smirking and then the well, guy is why- shot with a rare gun that he happens to own yeah, come on. And when he was asked why he was there, he said it was to keep an eye on Jay Given. He, like, he's not even being subtle about it. I'm here to commit murder. Oh, um, yeah, I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Card- Cardona never explained why he was at the Elth Club fully, other than just keeping an eye. <laughs> um, witnesses claim to have seen him following Jay prior to the shooting, although he claimed to be at at the bar at the time of the shooting no one could place him there interestingly enough it's interesting that he was like oh so you were keeping an eye on him you know who shot him and he's like oh i wasn't keeping an eye on him then (laughs) i was at the bar yeah so furthermore his description matched that of a man seen arguing with jay in the lobby the Uh witnesses claimed that the man was 6'1 with wavy black hair and wearing a specific type of clothing all of this matched cardona Uh so the witnesses are like well i didn't see who did it but i did see a guy who looks a lot like (laughs) i mean they i'm sure there are witnesses that did see him do it and they were just like i want to live thank you it's hard to imagine no one saw i mean i did happen outside everyone was inside the fundraiser but it seemed like the end of the night i don't know well also there was supposedly four men on the stairs at that time and none of them could be located all right. which is part of the mystery is trying to locate the witnesses so the witness uh claimed to have went to the bathroom and when he returned he saw that jay had been shot uh <laughs> so cordona failed a polygraph test and then refu- refused to take another one um he was later dismissed from the police department uh, mm-hmm. because he was a murderer i guess <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, look here. We only want you committing murders in, like, the line of duty. You can't be committing murders on your own time. That's not what this is about. Like, look, you can't get caught tampering with evidence, so yeah. you gotta go. You got, you got really ballsy on this last one. <laughs> We're gonna have to let you go. We're gonna have to let you go. We're not gonna arrest you for this murder. We're but... gonna ask Unsolved Mysteries to... I guess it's not clear to me who called Unsolved Mysteries, if it's this police department or if it's the FBI no, or, or it's what. It's absolutely not this police department. I'm because- guessing it's someone that lives in East Chicago was like, you know what they never solved? The murder of that guy that we all know who it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So uh, Cordona, after getting fired, uh, moved out of state and maintains his innocence. This is where Robert Stack says that some believe that the evidence against Cardona may actually point away from him. They question why he would make his presence known at the place where he would murder his rival. Okay. Some people say the evidence is too convincing. Is that a thing? No. The fact that it's pretty obvious that he did it, and there's, like, he... People have gone to prison over less evidence than only oh my a God. very rare gun yes. that happened to kill someone you hate. And being seen in their location. So some would say that he wasn't wrong <laughs> about, not, you know, obviously he didn't think he'd get arrested because what he didn't. Well, he's also a cop. He's above yeah. the law. He is the law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries is asking us the important question. Can there be too much evidence? Can evidence be too damning? 
Yeah, come on. You want to be like, come on. So, uh, I guess police are hoping to find witnesses to the murder, and that's what they need to close this case. I have a hard time understanding how they could have yeah. more. So there's more supposedly as this murder is taking place in the foyer, there's four men coming down the stairs. However, they don't know who those men are. I'm not sure how they know there's four men coming down the stairs, but they were hoping one of them would come forward. And you're like, no, they're probably not going to because they would like to live or at least not be harassed by the police. Yeah. So this is going to be frustrating. It's according to the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, still unsolved. Uh-huh. More recently, police have have noted that they uh, want to re-question other witnesses, including a woman who worked in the building where the fundraiser was held. She apparently saw something and left work quickly, but did not tell the police what she witnessed, maybe because the police are the ones who murdered him. According to the witness's daughter, she is now in her 80s, living in a nursing home, and does not want to talk about the case. Oh. I don't know, again, why this case would hinge on some random woman <laughs> when they have other it. evidence. It wouldn't if they actually wanted to prosecute it, but they don't. Yeah. So they believe- would have blamed this woman for not going up to the murderer and saying, I saw you commit murder. We're not going to the police and say, hey, another police officer did this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was some believe that she was threatened in the silence, whatever. Meanwhile, John Cordona remains the prime suspect. Jay's family is convinced that he was responsible, but that, quote, the East Chicago politics kept him from being arrested. That's a one way to say it. Sadly, Jay's wife, Phyllis, passed away in 2009 without ever seeing the case solved. I don't I'm think... I'm going to say that this is, like, not that unsolved, but allegedly so. Yeah, I don't know that you're ever going to see more of a resolution than we have right now. Okay, now it's time for a missing person. This is the story of Larry Constantine, who was a southern cowboy ranching in central Florida near Lakeland. Uh, we hear from his uncle Erlo, who said he loved to work, he loved to rodeo. What a cowboy name, Erlo. I know. I know. <laughs> so this is Larry's uncle, Erlo, who was an auctioneer, and he has this blonde, very long, very like Western wear uh, ra- mustache I call the ranch hand because it's just like, <laughs> that's just the type of mustache that it is. It's There's not some a good cre- mustaches in this segment. Yeah, you won't be surprised by that. So Your name's Erlo. Are you allowed to be anything other than an auctioneer? No, and would you be allowed to not have a mustache? No. His Clearly lip not. his lip would regrow that mustache overnight if he shaved it off. <laughs> so we get a little backstory on Larry. He had just started seeing a woman named Joe after a split from his wife, and Joe had recently broken up with a dude. So Joe works with Erlo at an auction market. And Joe had just broken up with a guy who also worked at the auction market. And to quote Unsolved Mysteries, he wasn't taking their breakup well, as in he was literally stalking and threatening her and was once caught just like (laughs) crouching below her window to listen to her talking. (laughs) So, which which everybody was just like, yeah, he wasn't taking it well. And I was like, that's kind of worse than that. It's not like he was morose. Oh, I can't believe Joe broke up. He's literally following her around and like eavesdropping on her. Yeah, stalker behavior. This is a grown man. This isn't a 14 year old. (laughs) It's very odd. Okay, so one night Joe and Larry go to the local rodeo. All I could think while this is happening, while I'm watching this segment, is something so remarkable about this country is how, like, this life could not have less to do with my life. (laughs) 
And yet, we here we are, the United States of America. But I am I am never on my way to the local rodeo to compete. <laughs> this is also where our lives differ because I knew exactly what they were. I was like, oh, team roping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Samantha knows, but I was like, huh, this is a whole other world. <laughs> Looks a lot like the county fairs I spent many a year hanging out at. That's why we need both of us on this podcast to bring in wisdom, different aspects of wisdom. I don't know exactly what I'm bringing to the table, but you're bringing in some some horse and related knowledge, right? <laughs> it comes in handy very infrequently, but... Actually, I don't know, we've had a horse related things one of our first episodes actually was that woman who got pushed off a horse yeah so it's it's handy to know is that yes we're learning about team roping which is what larry was competing in and actually him and his partner won 350 dollars, which they split so the rodeo finished pretty late it finished around 2 a.m which means that larry didn't get back to his place until like 4 15 a.m so no one knows exactly what happens after that, but Joe never makes it home. I'm not sure I was clear that Joe is with Larry. Like, Yeah, they're together. Cheering him on at the rodeo or whatever. So they're together. They go back to Larry's place after the rodeo, but we don't know what happens to Joe after that. She's our missing person. So she doesn't show up for work the next day. And Erlo, who finds out about this romance, which was kind of on the down low, goes over to Larry's home. Um, Larry's truck was in the driveway and he could hear that the radio was on inside, but there was no answer at the door. So he immediately becomes concerned and he contacts the sheriff's department. And the person that they get to play Erlo in the reenactment looks absolutely not a thing like him. So (laughs) it's kind of a little confusing to follow, actually. Who's this super old man? And it turns out that was supposed to be Erlo. And I was like, he's not that old. And this guy doesn't have a giant blonde mustache. So how was I supposed to know that was him? Anyway, um, so the sheriff's department is contacted. His uncle did have a key for the front door. So when no one responded to the sheriff knocking, they opened the door and both are greeted by a horrible smell. So they knew right away that Larry was dead. However, Joe is not there. So their concern, of course, was that Joe was also dead, but um, she's nowhere to be found. So Larry had been shot four times. The sheriff's department reports that his bed had not been slept in and there are no signs of a struggle or a robbery. The only thing that appeared to be missing was one of Larry's guns. Um, So they're immediately suspicious of Joe's ex, obviously, because he is a stalker that was following people around. But he apparently had an alibi for her for that time. So the second comment was, Joe, did Joe commit the murder herself? Um, Erlo doesn't think so. He thinks that someone followed Larry to the rodeo, but was then waiting for him at his place when he got back. The police's theory that Joe, in a fit of rage, killed killed Larry, I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was she prone to fits of rage? How often do women kill people in fits of rage? Yeah. She has a, a stalker ex? Like, how solid is this guy's alibi? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Erlo suspects that it is the ex and that he thinks that Joe was taken away at gunpoint and is probably dead. We now hear from some guy that I swear Unsolved Mysteries doesn't identify. (laughs) I don't know if he's a lawyer. I don't know if he's with the sheriff's department. I don't know who the fuck he is. Is this a younger guy? Yeah, with a with a I mustache. I assume he's related somehow to Joe, I think, but I also don't remember. I don't remember. 
Anyway, he has a mustache I called the Bugle Boy after <laughs> that brand of jeans. Okay. <laughs> it makes sense in my... That's one that makes sense in my mind. I don't really care if it makes sense to you. That's a good name for a mustache, I will, I will say. The Bugle Boy. You know... Okay, so yes, now we get on to this other theory that Joe did it in a fit of rage, and the, the, that is supported by the, the, the supposed notion that only Joe could have gotten close enough to him to kill him without a struggle. That's not true. I, if he's hiding in his home, he could have someone could have killed Larry without beating him up first. That doesn't make any sense. Wasn't but he that, shot? Yes. So you don't have to incapacitate someone to shoot them. I don't know why only Joe is capable of shooting him. But we do hear from Larry's ex-wife, who was not a fan of Larry whatsoever, and said, yeah, he probably made her really mad and she snapped because apparently Larry could be violent. So Larry's ex-wife's theory was that they had a violent altercation that escalated and Joe ended up killing him. But there's actually no evidence for that. And also then maybe there would be signs of a struggle. I don't know. Also, where did Joe go? Well, the idea would be like, yeah, they're having a fight. In the reenactment, he's like, what are you going to do with that gun, Joe? Shoot me? And then she shoots him. <laughs> Four times. Um, and then runs off. I Really, she's like that good at going on the lamb with no preparation whatsoever. Well, that's my thing. Is Well, where is she then? So, supposedly, Joe had been sighted at truck stops in... Florida, Texas, and Kansas, but we know that those eyewitness reports aren't exactly um, super reliable. Sorry. I'm looking at the... So there's no update on Unsolved Mysteries about this case. Um, Unsolved Mystery Wiki, Wiki tells us that it's unresolved. Melissa and Larry are now believed to be killed by Joe and Danny Carenzo of Deland, Florida. Danny is Melissa's ex-boyfriend. Sorry, okay, Joe's real name was Melissa, but everybody called her Joe. Mm. So, um, yeah, of course, it was the ex-boyfriend. Obviously. (laughs) She's buried somewhere in the green swamp of Central Florida. Is that where he dumped her body? Just so he he admitted to it? I don't know. Unsolved Mysteries Wiki is like, just says, oh, that's, that's according to this guy. Neither were charged in the crime due to lack of cooperation with the Polk County State's Attorney's Office. Well, that of guy. course, we can't prosecute because the murderer isn't cooperating. Oh, no. No, the DA's office isn't cooperating. Oh. Well, why not? I don't know. <laughs> Neither were charged to the crime due to lack of cooperation of the Polk County State's Attorney's Office. Oh. Um, I Joe- assume. Okay, I get it. That's. I. Okay, well, fine. Joe Sarazo died November 28, but before his death, he confessed to the crime, adding that Danny shot the first shot. Danny suffers from throat cancer, but still goes about his daily business as a forest ranger for Florida Forest Service. 2014, Danny was indicted for lying to a Florida grand jury in relation to this case. That's so weird. Well, this is also allegedly not mysterious. Yeah, it sounds like this is super soft. Guess what? It was the abusive stalking ex who didn't like that she was with wary and probably just waited for them after the rodeo to kill them um joe's full full name is melissa joe sermons by the way if you're looking for more information about this case okay um yeah that's super weird that the da was just like yeah i don't think i'm gonna do this one 
I mean, I guess that probably happens all the time, but yeah, they can choose if there's not enough evidence or whatever. We know that from Law and Order. Yeah, that's true. There, that's the the judicial, the prosecutorial discretion, whatever yeah. that's called. Um, yeah, how sad. It's sad also that they like accused her of murder in this segment, and she's dead in some swamp somewhere. Ugh, yeah. hate it. Blows. I hate it. Okay, let's go on. Now you have a lost love. Okay, so yes, this is a lost love. Um, we are looking for a lost mother. Uh, this is an interesting, an interesting case. It's a little odd. It's a little odd. I, I'm gonna take it at face value, but it's it's odd. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. It sounds so, a little. Oh, I don't know. Made up. But. A little bit. It's a, This is a little sus. Uh, Sandra Lee Nelson is searching for her mother, Dorothy Johnson, who left her with seaman, seaman first class. <laughs> <laughs> I try to pronounce it seaman, but we okay. all know how it's all actually right. pronounced. First class Donald Caffrey while on a train from Seattle to Chicago. Uh-huh. So Sandra Lee Nelson became known as the smoking car baby because not, not catchy, by the way. <laughs> not really. No. Not how I'd want to be known. Because uh that is where this transaction occurred. <laughs> if you want to call it that, the baby handoff, I'm not really sure. It's very strange. Uh this it's where she was given away to some random person her mother met mere hours before okay in november 1945 donald was traveling to omaha nebraska to reunite with his wife barbara while in the smoker car of the train he met dorothy who was 17 and separated from her husband she was traveling to utica new york with sandra who was 11 months old at the time um, and at that point she was named uh yvonne so that evening, Dorothy sat with Donald and they talked through the night. She told him about how she was in dire financial straits and could not take care of Yvonne. He asked her if she wanted to leave the baby with him and Barbara until she got settled back in Utica. Why would you ask that question? I have some questions. I have some questions of my own. <laughs> we'll get to those in a minute. So sh- this is... Again, this is Donald Caffrey's side of the story. She agreed. Um, he, at this point, was like, well, I don't want people to think I kidnapped this baby. So he wrote <laughs> up an agreement. I am guess I don't think it was, but I'm, I'm imagining it's on a napkin. <laughs> it's on the back of a cocktail napkin, yeah. So he writes up this agreement that said that uh, Bar- uh, Dorothy was willingly entrusting Yvonne to his care. It also stated that if she did not contact him within 60 days, then he would adopt Yvonne. I don't I've... feel like this would be legally binding. Your no. cocktail, napkin, I... chain of custody, <laughs> whatever you call it. Baby Here. agreement, adoption yeah. agreement? Yeah. I don't even understand what this is. I feel like some details are missing from this story, it, but this is what we're told. It doesn't seem real um, true. No, it seems made up. <laughs> seems very, how do you say, made up. All right. So at 2 p.m. on November 16th, 1945, the train arrived in Omaha. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries tells us that Barbara was surprised to find Donald with a young child. <laughs> imagine if you go to pick your husband up from the train he for some reason is holding a baby 
And then is like, oh, hey, honey, we're going to take care of this baby and maybe like adopt it. Be like, are you are you Sean Bean's character in Game of Thrones? Like, what are you doing? Are you Ned Stark just showing up from your tour of duty with a baby? Also, it is the past. So guess who's taking care of that baby? Yeah, not you. <laughs> not the guy that agreed to take it. You. It's like, this isn't a puppy you found in a box on the side of the road where you just show. They really, this is really how they talked about this baby. Like he just showed up with this baby and was like, well, we're going to take care of this baby now. Oh, hi, honey. It's been a couple days. I really miss you. Oh, what's that? Oh, a baby. And I'm going to what? I'm interested in knowing how, where he, so I don't know that we got the, like, was he deployed like was he where was he was yeah that's a good point i don't know how long it's been since she saw him i don't 12 months <laughs> oh yeah that's a really really good this question. Is an 11 month old baby or i guess it would have to be longer than that i mean was it you know right long right, enough right. that this baby could be his right 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 that's um yeah so uh-huh I, I, like I said, I have some questions. They're not what an, what a genius way, though, to make your wife care for the baby you had with another woman. If you go, oh, honey, some woman just gave this to me on a smoker car on she the train. She was straits. She couldn't care for this baby. Here, look at this cocktail napkin. It explains everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Do I have to specifically tell Mag not to come home with any babies I have to take care of? Because no, <laughs> absolutely not. He should. He, I think. I feel like he would know better at this point. But I, I, I. If you haven't said honestly, if you haven't said it, it couldn't hurt. Yeah, Just be clear I, about the second this recording ends. Honey, if you ever find yourself in a smoking car, please don't bring any babies home with you. Yeah. Also, maybe don't smoke around babies. But that's like a whole other thing. <laughs> look this was the past so <laughs> so yeah so barbara was surprised within days they were quote in love with yvonne mm-hmm. however i mean as a baby i guess they're easy to love however the county officials when county officials learned about the unusual arrangement as robert Stack calls it they feared that she would be taken from them yeah i mean babies have to be lovable because otherwise you would throw them out the window <laughs> that is all evolution right there you go wow this baby is so cute and it smells so good and it's like yes because it's gonna cry all the time do not throw it away <laughs> don't give it away on a smoker car yeah yeah you just go oh this baby's skin is so soft you know what never mind ditch <laughs> <laughs> so at this point things start getting if it's possible even weirder they decided to file for legal custody before the 60 days were up okay if i'm taking the story on face value which i don't but let's say that this sleeper i keep wanting to say sleeper car smoker car baby story is correct this woman that he got this baby from was only 17 so he's basically stolen a teenager's baby how is this legal and then been like yeah i know i said i would give you some time to get back on your feet which was only 60 days not long at all and then he's like actually i can't wait that long this is just is this not kidnapping I find it hard to believe that a 17-year-old could, like, is a napkin written adoption (laughs) agreement from a 17-year-old? Like, how how does anyone know that wasn't done under duress? Even if it's an adult, how do you know that? But, 
17-year-old. How is this? An, I don't see a situation where this teenager is not being taken advantage of. No, and be, and it became the, it's weirder because it became the smoker car baby because it was like, she was like a darling in the newspaper. And it's like, this isn't a feel-good story. No. I mean, I guess people were like emotionally attached because they wanted to make sure the baby would be okay. Or they were just like, this is fucking weird as hell. It's extremely weird. But and- if there's really this 17-year-old who's just like oh i can't take care of this baby and this guy's like i'll take care of it until you get back on your feet of course wait i don't want to wait 60 days this baby's mine now it's yeah, like i'm gonna renege on the napkin agreement and-, <laughs> and you just stole the baby then you stole it yeah you have a written agreement that you wrote dude yes yes and you're just gonna fuck that and th- that's kidnapping at that point isn't it i would say so the whole thing is bizarre so at at 2 p.m on november 16th 1945 oh wait sorry i'm oh my god i'm totally at the wrong place it's okay i feel like i've screwed up this whole episode multiple times uh, no if anything I throw have. it in the garbage <laughs> with the baby <laughs> Uh, so af- a few days after deciding that they were going to proceed with adoption proceedings, Donald received a letter from Dorothy asking how Yvonne was and hoped to s- that she hoped to see her soon. Oops. Yes, because she hasn't given up custody of this child. No, she's still very much under the impression that she's going to get this baby back. So the very next day, however, he was doing court for the custody hearing. Because he's a creep. Yeah, I don't understand how Unsolved Mysteries is not painting these people as the villain. I guess it's because she still has a good relationship with with Donald, right. I think. But, like, with her kidnapper. Come on. Yeah, it seems like it. So uh, he decided that he was going to proceed with the proceedings despite receiving the letter from Dorothy. Which, in the even in the reenactment, he, like, crumples up and puts in his pocket. Like, no one saw that. <laughs> this woman wants her kid back, you freak. Yeah, yeah. So the judge said that before he could make a decision, he needed to speak with Dorothy, which seems like the least he could do. Yeah. He was like, well, I'm not just going to give you this kid based on your word and a napkin. I'm going to need to talk to the mother. And they seem to be like, huh. Surprise. A twist. Uh, so, oh yeah, so the judge said that he needed to talk to Dorothy before he could make a decision. Uh, yeah, the birth mother, should you should maybe talk to her. Uh, a new court case was scheduled and Yvonne was placed in temporary foster care. So at this point is when newspapers throughout the country began to write about, about Yvonne, calling her the smoker car baby. Um, which, yeah, I guess... Not catchy. Know. You're right. It's, I mean, especially old in old timey days, like get like lost babies, get babies found, whatever. Like that was people wanted to read that shit all the time. <laughs> people, God. So Dorothy was summoned to Omaha um, to to talk to the judge. Uh, if she did not come, she apparently was going to be charged with parental neglect. She was okay. threatened. So she was threatened that if she didn't come talk to this judge, she was going to be charged with parental neglect. So, of course, she never showed up because she was, I think, convinced that she was going to be charged, which is well, probably a fair thing to be because she did give away her baby to some random guy in a smoking car. So it's not out of the question to think, well, if I stand in front of this judge, he's going to charge me with child abandonment or something. Yeah. So I guess I can understand, especially if she was in 
a bad you know she wasn't in a good situation to begin with not wanting to like fucking go to jail on top of it also she would have to travel to get there and we're yeah, like assuming yeah i don't know this is what unsolved mystery says that she was afraid of getting charged with parental neglect so she didn't come out however she did send her sister in her place and her sister told the judge that dorothy was afraid to come to court because of the charges um and she wanted to adopt yvonne but the judge at least according to the unsolved mystery the judge listens to her plea and just says denied and bangs the gavel and that's it yeah this is someone that has they don't even look into her like family claims or her blood ties or i don't don't understand why you wouldn't no allow the family to take the baby just this random guy yeah the stranger should have the baby who went back on his agreement anyway yeah just because he wants the baby you're gonna give him the baby that's not how it works I guess it is how it works. That's what happened, but it's, it's not how it should work. <laughs> yeah, Samantha. Actually, there's evidence to the contrary. Okay, there is evidence that this is whole how it works. Thing... At least in 1947, that's how it worked. This whole thing is so strange, and I honestly don't even know what to believe about it. No. So in June 1947, Donald and Barbara were awarded custody custody of the baby, who they now called Sandra Lee. I also hated they changed her name. I don't know why. It's just like... It's, like it's not your child like and yeah. like the mom didn't ultimately want you to keep her forever no so you don't get a right to just keep this baby and change yeah change your name it's very i don't i don't like them so when sandra was nine her parents separated her kidnapper parents <laughs> separated yeah they don't even i don't know that this is like super relevant but they don't even really end up raising her she gets raised by these people's mom she gets raised by her grandmother yeah so after all this like oh we need to keep this baby they were like oh we're getting divorced we don't want this baby anymore we're not gonna raise this baby anyway yeah so she spent most of her time with uh her grandmother the i'm not even sure which which person's mom this is not someone that was awarded custody by the court by the way this is just another (laughs) random person she's handed off to when she was 18, Barbara uh, told, finally told her the truth about her past. A few months later, can you hear my dog? What? Yeah, so that's, a, that's your dog going, this is an outrage. Of, this is a miscarriage of justice. <laughs> I would close the door, but as soon as I close it, he's going to scratch at it to come in. Uh, so yeah, That's okay. So, pod, pod dog commentary is welcome. Well, I mean, they're as outraged as we are, I think, is what the deal is. So they yeah. didn't tell Sandra about any of this until she was 18 when Barbara told her the truth about her past. A few months later, she received an unusual letter in the mail in which she finally saw a picture of Dorothy. It was postmarked Omaha, Nebraska. She later learned that an anonymous woman had called her grandmother and asked to send her newspaper clippings about sandra's childhood i think it's actually really sweet that they called the grandmother to ask if it was okay like clearly they just want to connect with this person that's related to them but they also don't want to like disrupt the life that she has now right yeah no that is really sweet so sandra later married and she lived in singapore for part of her life but later she settled in florida she believes dorothy was scared but still wanted to be part of her life and today she is searching for her I don't even know that she was scared. She was like railroaded. Yeah, she was. She was also like seventeen years old. Are we yeah. surprised she's like scared to go to court? Or yeah, I hate this. Yeah, me too. 
So this, uh, the result is that this is solved. Upon uh, the broadcast, Sandra had calls from people who recalled her on the train, as well as from the sister of the man who eventually married Dorothy. Um, unfortunately, Dorothy passed away in 1968 after a car accident mm. in Caldwell, Idaho. Um, but she left behind her brother Mickey and sisters Jan and Alice. She had tried to reclaim Sandra after leaving, but she um, had at that point she had already been legally adopted, so there was nothing she could do. About yeah, it. because they did it quick. Ugh. Yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. On December 28th, 1993, Sandra and her husband went to Syracuse, New York to be uh, reunited with Dorothy's family. Although she was unable to learn the identity of her birth father, she did learn that in the 1950s, Dorothy married a man named Wayne Rogers. She hoped to find him to learn more about her mother. Um, so, oh, and unfortunately, Sandra has passed away. She passed away in Aww. 2013 at the age of 68. She seemed really nice. Yeah, she did. And we got to see her reunite with her sisters. It was really, or her aunts, sorry. And it was it was really sweet. Um and she's wearing a, a very 90s floral sweater. Yes. <laughs> and you just you just want to give her a hug yeah. and go, man, you didn't deserve any of this. No, it's really unfortunate. And this whole thing is bizarre, but. Ugh. Usually Loft's loves are, I guess, no, I guess I usually start off pretty sad, but this one's more like frustrating. Yeah, and weird. <laughs> and I just think people are lying to make themselves look better. I don't think this is exactly how it went down, but... I highly doubt it. I do wonder if that guy was actually the father and didn't want to admit it. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that came to my mind, but... It would make a lot more sense than whatever this these shenanigans are. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. We've got one more mystery. It is bleak AF. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't want to watch it. But here we are. This is the life of the podcaster. Um, we're just going to get through it. If you want to turn off now, I don't blame I you. I don't blame you. If you're, no. for some reason, going to watch this episode, you maybe skip this last one. You, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now that the case has pretty much been solved. We don't need you out there solving this mystery. I, I'm not really sure why you want to burden yourself with this kind of sadness. This is an unexplained death, but it is specifically about a vicious, unknown assailant who targets young girls. So, there you go. Uh, we're going back to May 26, 1992 in Edmonton of Alberta, Canada. There is a, a neighborhood park, which Robert Stack says became the backdrop for a parent's worst nightmare, which is literally true. So, we first hear about three-year-old Mandy, who lived across the street street from the park with her aunt um mandy spent a lot of her time at the park i mean it was basically like her yard like her where she's living is literally right across the street so she had been playing there all day and then about 6 p.m realized that she had left her shoes at the park so she went back there by herself to retrieve her shoes this reenactment is kind of scary because it's shot from the like abductor's point of view it's like kind of a shaky handheld like waiting in the bushes yeah. to see Mandy and then like walk up to her. Um, Audrey, who is Mandy's aunt starts to worry about her and then goes to the park to look. Um, there was sort of a witness. There was a man who had been playing hockey with his kids and he had seen her five minutes earlier, but he didn't know which way she had went. Um, I'm sure he just was like a guy from the neighborhood and he recognized her. So we know that she went back to the park, but we don't know what happened to her right after that. Um, Audrey looked around the neighborhood for two hours before calling the police. 
However, the police also failed to turn up anything. (sighs) 19 hours later, a group of horseback riders. See, Samantha, it comes up all the time. It came up twice in this one episode. I know. Okay. So group of, not that you really need any expertise for this, but a group of horseback riders came across Mandy in a field nine miles from her home. Um, the reenactment is like just like people on horses going along this trail and then they just like see a young girl like left in a ditch by a fence she had been strangled and sexually assaulted fortunately she was still alive they were able to get um, medical professionals there in time the assailant had literally thrown Mandy from a moving car without stopping leaving no notable evidence um, since Mandy was only three, she was only able to give them limited information, but they did believe that she would be able to identify her attacker if she saw him. Um, it also seems like her attacker had held on to part of her skirt and maybe one shoe as trophies that, or they got lost somewhere, but it was also possible. Like they would be in his vehicle. That would be something connecting to him. Okay. So now four months later on September I literally wrote September scribble. I don't know. Four months later, four miles away from Mandy's home, two young girls, ages five and six, were playing outside their apartment building. An older kid who was 11 was looking out his window and he saw a man forcing one of those girls into his blue van. And... He either told his parents or called the police. I can't remember exactly. Um, that girl was six-year-old Corrine Govison, who was nicknamed Punky. <laughs> I know. So there's a wide, there was a widespread search for her. Um, three days later, three days went by before a truck driver found what he thought was a rag doll in this place where a bunch of like rigs would park. I don't know what you call that, um, but. Uh, on, you already know it was punky's body she had been raped and smothered the however from this crime scene they were able to obtain both footprints and tire prints and the tire prints were kind of distinctive because like one like the front tires were bald and the other ones were new or something like that um they also got prints from the scene they knew that the murderer was wearing baseball cleats from the footprints, which is kind of weird. Um, the authorities believed that this crime was con- committed by the same man who attacked Andy. We now get a profile for the murderer, which I swear I could have just made up. So they said that he would be in his teens to early 20s, that he doesn't have a girlfriend, that he's literally, and I quote, somewhat of a loner. That he is a fantasy-motivated individual, whatever the fuck that means, and that he was likely to reoffend. Cops hate introverts, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's always kind of a loner. Don't keep to yourself. Don't like the indoors. That means you're a child murderer. Yeah, okay, we're all in trouble now. <laughs> After quarantine, who knows what's gonna happen? Um, so that's where the segment originally ended. We do get an update. So. DNA evidence led authorities to Clifford Slay, who was already serving time for sexual assault. He was sentenced to life for the murder of Corrine. Um, he's suspected is Mandy's attacker as well, but he's never been charged for that. He's going to be eligible for parole in 2030. And let me just bring up the Unsolved Mysteries wiki for this. This is referred to as the Edmonton Rapist. I don't know why you would be looking for more information on this, but that's where it is. So, okay, capture results are captured. Kareen's uncle was originally the prime suspect in her murder because her body was found beneath his truck. Uh, oh my god! 
However, he was later cleared through DNA evidence. What a what a weird I wonder how the killer knew that. That's so odd. Okay. In September 2003, 11 years after the murder, the police arrested Clifford Slay in connection with it after his DNA matched what was found on her body. He was already in prison serving time for two unrelated sexual assaults, the victims being his niece and his girlfriend's daughter. Okay. Slay had been a suspect since the first year of the investigation. However, he was not considered a strong suspect because three of his friends gave him a false alibi. I'm not sure why how they originally were onto him. Maybe they just knew he was a sex offender. Um, investigators learned that he owned baseball cleats identical to the footprints found at the murder scene. He eventually admitted to sexually assaulting and smothering Clarine. He tried to plead guilty to manslaughter, but the court rejected it. In May 2005, he was tried and convicted of her murder, and he is now serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for 25 years. Uh, it's suspected that he's been involved in attacks on other young girls, including Mandy, but he has not been charged in those cases. Uh, it's just brutal. It's just so sad. There's nothing more to add. I mean, no, I it seems nothing. like this guy is pretty guilty, assuming this DNA match is good. So I just, oh, I recently was in Twitter jail <laughs> because I said that I wanted someone's rapist to fall in a hole and die. And I thought I said that if I hoped that happened, I'm not going to do it. I'm not a murderer. I want to sleep at night. Uh, I just hoped he falled into a hole and died falling into you didn't say you wanted you hoped he got pushed into a hole just that he'd be walking along one day and fall into a deep hole and you know nobody noticed and he couldn't get out and he slowly starved to death thinking about all he had done wrong i don't know i'm not gonna do it but i ended up in twitter jail anyway guess you can't say that I definitely do not hope that this guy's skin is slowly peeled off but (laughs) Then he falls into a hole and then, I don't know, lives, but has to stay there forever. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so horrible. But that's where the episode ends. Don't you love Unsolved Mysteries? (laughs) Don't you wish you had a podcast where you had to talk about stuff like this? Wow, what a great decision I've made. (laughs) The end. Let's rate it. All right. Now let me try and remember these categories. Mysteriousness. Okay, um, huh. It's actually kind of not very mysterious because even the crimes that are unsolved, we know what happened probably. Allegedly solved. Um yeah. So not yeah, not mysterious at all. Not mysterious at all. Thumbs down. What about fashion? Mm, no. Unremarkable. I mean, do you like Thumbs cowboy down. fashion? But like not even good <laughs> cowboy fashion, just like normal cowboy fashion? Yeah, not like Orville Peck, not like the Western wear segment of a beauty pageant. Yeah. Like, just like Wranglers. Yeah. Yeah, no, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Uh, Reenactments. I actually, I thought the ones from the last segment were pretty spooky, but in general, unremarkable. Yeah, they were fine. I'm going to say thumbs down again. And, you know, we had some good mustaches. You named a few. Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously, what's his name? Now that I can't think of it. Who is the, the auctioneer? Mustache. What was that guy's name? That guy's very what Western name. What, was his, what is his weird name? Oh, I've already wait, forgotten wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Erlo. 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 
Erlo is obviously the MVM for the ranch hand, though I kind of prefer the name the Bugle Boy, but I don't even know who that guy was. <laughs> and his mustache was not as good. No. So Robert Stack, I feel like he was barely in this. He Do didn't I... get enough Robert Stack. I feel like I say that every time, but I was it's not in true. Imp- I'm not impressed with his contribution to this episode. No, no, definitely. Thumbs not. down. Okay, I'm can't remember the last time we had thumbs down across the board. Yeah, so I guess that means we can't raise this one very high. Um, <laughs> and it's also too depressing to rate high. Even the lost love, like this baby was just stolen and taken from this person that actually wanted her, and then they like couldn't even be bothered to raise her and made the grandmother do it. I mean, I hope she got some closure meeting her aunts and stuff, but I was just like, this sucks. And then this child murder thing is one of the most depressing segments we've had. Yeah. So, I had a two? Sure, two. I'm going to freak out this as soon as I can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just wanted scrub for my brain, honestly. (laughs) I don't know why we talked about it, but we committed to doing every episode, and that includes this one. Well, it's over now, at least. Two out of five Robert Stacks. Thanks, Satan. Let's hope we can move on. And just remember Erlo's mustache. <laughs> May that be a shining beacon in the night. <laughs> get, get us through the long... Erlo's long... mustache. <laughs> yeah. Erlo's mustache will carry us through the rest of quarantine. Yes, we're please. All vaccinated. Please. Okay. Um, now comes the part where we recommend things. Yeah. If you're new to this podcast, we like to, f- because we're talking about horrible things like child murder sometimes. And then I go, I really start to examine all of my life choices that led me here. We like to finish off with a recommendation to sort of cleanse that palate or give you something else to think about. And I have a very quick recommendation this week, which is a YouTube channel that is really great to take a nap to. Mm. And if there's one thing in quarantine I really love to appreciate, it's a quality nap. Okay, would the person whose YouTube channel this is be pleased at you saying that or offended? Oh, I think please. Okay. okay good. So this is a channel called Nemo's Dreamscapes. Oh. And they're mixes of music with like ambient sound. So they all have titles like oldies playing on the beach while you're taking a nap. And they're... Most of them are about three hours long, and it's just, like, soothing music combined with either ocean noises or rainfall. Usually the description tells you if there's going to be any thunder or not, whether there's cryptics chirping, and it just creates a very, like, sleepy, cozy, like, maybe you're going to go to an antique mall later kind of vibe. Ah that i really like for a nap i literally took a nap to one today quality highly recommend this channel if you oops don't play don't play um if you just you know if you're trying to get into the right nap zone if you want to those nap vibes i think you would want to listen to something like oldies playing on a beach while you were taking a nap parentheses ocean waves with birds seagulls three hours Right? <laughs> nice. Mwah. Mwah. Oldie's playing from another room and it's raining. Oldie's playing in a cabin and you're on the front porch. It's just like, it's all, it's, it's, it's the best nap vibes. So, I mean, there's a lot of subscribers to this channel. Uh, maybe you're already subscribed, but. Nap vibes. I, I dig it. Yeah. I, I couldn't recommend it more, really, if that's what you're looking for. 
Nemo's dreamscapes really delivers. I love this. Nap, so I appreciate yeah. that they have the thunder warnings because my dog would be super upset if I just played thunder. <laughs> I mean, it's not super loud, but even so, I think maybe depending on the type of sleep you're trying to get, that's going to disrupt you. Sure. You know, you might not want that. So then you might want to go with oldies playing in another room and it's raining parentheses, no thunders, comma, fireplace. Nice. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it does, actually. There's a couple Christmas ones if it was, you know, another time of year. But in general, ooh, yeah, seasonal a- nap music is good. There's, there's a, a Halloween. It. There's a Halloween one. I would listen to that literally any time. <laughs> um, yeah. If if people have other things they'd like to nap to, get in touch. I want to know. There's the Unless rec- it's recommendations we welcome. Unless it's like chewing. Oh God. Unless it's like some the chewing. I don't know. Unless it's some like a- a- AMSR chewing thing, then I don't want to know about that. But oh my god, <laughs> I don't know who naps to chewing, but people listen to chewing. So oh God, I can't handle it. <laughs> if that's your thing, that's your thing. But it's not for it's not for Samantha. Not for Samantha. All right, what is your recommendation? This so what week? is for Samantha? <laughs> yeah, Our tell us novelty snacks. <laughs> Yes. I have a novelty. I will try any novelty Oreo. It could literally be I was gonna say it could literally be shit flavored Oreo, but that's I would not try that. <laughs> what about those Lady Gaga ones that weren't flavored okay, in any way? I resent those because we were just talking about this earlier today. I resent any novelty snack, food or beverage that is just a different color of the same thing. If your yeah. Oreo is just pink but still tastes like a normal fucking Oreo, why would I bother? Thumbs down. That Thumbs should have down. been lychee champagne flavored, and we Try all know it. Harder, Lady Gaga. I don't want a pink Oreo <laughs> that just tastes like a regular Oreo. And there's one thing we've all said about Lady Gaga. What a slacker. <laughs> what a lazy layabout. Get it together, Lady Gaga. Quit napping to Nemo's dreamscapes and come up with an Oreo flavor. Couldn't even make it strawberry? Or like strawberry pop rock. Yeah, throw or... some Pop Rocks in there. They've done it before. They probably still have the equipment. They <laughs> probably have that special Pop Rock machine just sitting around. Yeah. So anyway, this, this I'm not recommending the Lady Gaga Oreos because they're just regular Oreos. I am recommending the Strawberry Donut. Oh. Oreos, which I think I'm new. listening. I saw them at the grocery store whenever I was there last. They don't taste like Strawberry Donuts to me. <laughs> okay. But they okay. are delicious. They taste like... A, like a box cake like a strawberry Ooh. box cake that you just get from you know you add water and a couple eggs or whatever and you have cake it tastes like a strawberry one it's so good i think they're delicious you're making me so hungry i we have a few of them left i've been kind of savoring the last few <laughs> they're really good i'm not or novelty oreos are hit or miss obviously i'm gonna try out every single one i come across this one is probably probably my favorite since pistachio and i'm not sure if pistachio oh, is man. limited edition but i love those thin pistachio oreos those are okay. so good but this one is right up there is anyone from nabisco listening can i get the pistachio oreos but in non-thin and regular oreo size yeah i'd like regular oreo please size please i need more of the filling I agree. why do you do this to me nabisco I agree. I agree completely. Also, there were a mystery Oreo a couple years ago yeah. that was mm-hmm. Fruity Pebbles or like fruit cereal flavor. I thought that one was delicious too. And I would love mm-hmm. that to come back. 
Yeah, I was, I was, I was lukewarm on that one. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, these are so good. They taste like strawberry cake, which I guess a cake donut, like you would say, it tastes like a strawberry donut. I feel like it, I don't get donut vibes from it, but I do get delicious vibes from it, and I would highly recommend it. I liked that carrot cake one. That was carrot good. cake was good. I liked that one. I feel like I recently liked one you didn't like, and now I can't it was remember. Was the Nutella I- one? The hazelnut. Oh, that was hazelnut. good. I didn't actively dislike it. I just wouldn't get it again. So that's pretty much actively disliking it, Samantha. <laughs> I mean, if they were in front of me, I'd eat them. But oh, uh, I guess, I guess, I suppose I can be a little too uh, love or hate. <laughs> All or nothing. It really is. Okay. Well, now I just want some Oreos. Hmm. A dilemma. Okay. That wraps up us talking about depressing mysteries for this week. Uh, thanks for being patient and waiting for us to return to you, our dear five listeners. Uh, let's just wrap it up. We're we got shit to plug. We still have a... Uh, uh, oh my god, I can't even talk. You're we out of have... jail, so you can go yes! follow us. <laughs> Watch me get myself back into Twitter jail and probably eventually get that account suspended. That's <laughs> at Perhaps It's You. Because I do want rapists to fall in a hole and die. No apologies on that. Uh, we do have an Instagram. And also there's several Facebook groups. A main one. One about Animal Crossing. One about reading books. Yeah. I mean, this is a very popular podcast. You're you about to have a them. birthday party in Animal Crossing. I'm I am. If you haven't had a chance to come meet Wart Jr., join our Animal Crossing Facebook group and you can come to Liz's Island and celebrate. Uh, there's going to be a special guest that night. Tangy exciting the cat that looks like an orange is gonna be there that cat is cute you might want to he might want to join us and bring me some sanrio presents in animal crossing world um do it we have a website which perhaps i bring up because there is a contact address on there and you could send me some birthday presents Mm -hmm. just saying just saying that maybe you see some novelty oreos and you go you know who would like this liz and you're right send them along (laughs) That's perhaps it's you.com. If you wanted to send in a spooky story or a psychic dream you had or something along those lines, we can be ditched a baby in a smoking car. Yeah, we'll judge you, but send it along anyway. It's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. Oh, yeah. Give us some money and you'll get some bonus episodes. We're close to 40 bonus. One more bonus episode and we're at 40. I can't believe it. So a dollar gets you 40 more episodes if you're dying for more content. Recent episodes include us talking about the show Paranormal Home Inspectors and also an episode of SVU featuring none other than my hero, John Waters. So you don't want to miss out on that content. It's a bad episode of SVU, but it's a good episode of our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, not a great SVU, but you know what? This show has really proven that we have the ability to spin straw into gold like Uh that stiltskin fairy tale yep uh bah, 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 bah. oh and our patreon if you give us five dollars a month did you know that you get a coloring sheet every month they're pretty good usually drawn by me and the last one was a ouija board i mean and if you have colored them you should tag us on like instagram and stuff because we yeah like i want to see, see the them coloring sheets who colored war jr let me see yeah okay i think that's everything Give us money, see me on Twitter, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, we might be back next week. Probably. I'm not really sure what our schedule going forward. Maybe. I mean, we're going to get back into regular 
recording now, but we're recording on an at an unusual an unusual day, and we're just gonna have to see when we can record again. Yeah, I mean, bear with is, us as we get back into this. This is free; you can't complain too much. That's true. All right, bye everyone. Keep barking. Bye.